What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Hey-bees. Trade deadline uh, is... Uh, we're starting this podcast with the Major League trade deadline still less than two hours away. So if anything happens, we thought something just happened, but then it didn't. How do we feel about Brewers reporter says significant trade between the Brewers and the Giants, the Brewers' number three prospect, AAA shortstop going to the Giants? Well... I think it from their side, when you say significant and it's one of your best prospects, I think that's okay. The more I thought about it, I pissed you and I off before we did this podcast. But from their perspective, that would be the equivalent of like the Joey Bart for the Giants or whatever. Like that's a big deal for them going all in for Drew Pomerantz. I don't think it's Joey Bart level prospect, but I understand what you're saying. They're giving up their number three. That's significant. But yeah. why 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 not just say Brewers have traded their number three I just prospect to the Giants? Because that's the only name I know. Why not, but why not just say when you, I mean you know how it's going to be? You know what the reaction is going to be when you add the word significant. You know what the reaction is going to be when you say the Brewers have traded the number three prospect to the Giants. To me, yeah. this is Farhan's first swindle, John. He just traded Drew Pomeranz and Ray Black, who's been throwing hundred miles an hour. Uh, See, I. I I would disagree swindle. with this first. Swindle, John. Swindle. I, I agree that's a swindle. <laughs> but to me, he's already proved his worth with Dickerson and Yastrzemski and just getting rid oh, of okay. scrubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have – it's why that I, everyone's like, what should we do? What should we do? I'm like, I don't care. Whatever he does, I am on board. It's like if you told me that Farhan does a deal today with Billy – or with the Dodgers for these significant players, my first reaction would be like, fuck yeah, he did. He just won the trade. There is no emotion with this guy. He's out to crush. And to me, the Billy guys, they get bred for these moments because they're, they, they treat players like Belichick. They, they don't, they see everyone like a widget. Some guys just make a little more. Some guys are just a little bit better. No emotion. I, I love guy, the analytical movement into all of baseball because it balances out everything we see in the NBA. Yeah. The problem is, is that because so many of them now, there's so many guys that think alike it, it, everything's become, a, you know, it used to be everybody thinks alike. 
in terms of how they evaluate players, but they would all have different opinions on a guy because somebody just reminds them. Oh, it reminds me of Mantle. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, he's country he, he, strong. He, he's got, he's like, uh, he's like Pete Rose, you know? Well, the one I saw the other day, we can get to this, but it was like, he, Nate Peterman, I just love the way he breaks a huddle. It's like, huh? But yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not putting that in the same category. But now it's was like. That, was that something Gruden said? He likes the way he breaks a huddle? Well, that was like back from his QB camp uh, thing. Yeah. Control of the line of scrimmage. Um, well, but now I think you notice in baseball, probably more than the other sports, where in basketball, because the money has to match up, you just you can't just do deals with your friends, right? Like you have to do deals with specific teams. To like, it's just more difficult to do a deal. In football, just less deals get done beside draft day deals. In baseball, I do think you see a lot of these teams, all the Billy guys, just kind of do deals with each other. Like the Brewers, the Astros, the Rays, the, uh, Billy, I think now Farhan, obviously the Dodgers. It's why it is inevitable, guy. The Dodgers, I personally wouldn't care because, again, I would trust that Farhan won the deal. But I get it. I, I think the A's deal, if it doesn't happen in the next hour, is going to happen within the next calendar year. B- Billy was on with Kawakami on his athletic podcast, you know, like a m- within the last month. And he just said, like, yeah, it's going to happen. We just, that's my guy. We just, we talk all the time anyway. Like, it's going to happen. Yeah. Which I like. I, I, uh, I just think you need less emotion in a front office. I was, I was texting with a buddy of mine who knows the Brewers system really well. When I told him who got traded, he said, that's, there's no way that's for Bumgarner. That guy. Just knowing that. He's like, him. he's like, now, but what he did say is, it wouldn't surprise, that, that's got to be two guys. And my guess is Will Smith and Sam Dyson, which as it turns out would have been too rich. So, and I'm looking at the guy's 24. I, like, if he's 22 playing shortstop in AAA, he's 24 playing shortstop in AAA, which is fine. He's got, he's, numbers look good. So, I don't know. But when Puig, I was, after the fight last night, I started Googling about Puig. Because remember, the story was when he defected from, is defected the word? Cuba? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Defected from Cuba? Mm-hmm. Remember that there was a long ESPN.com story, like, three or four years ago when he kind of became a star about how I'm swimming through sharks on the little raft. And it was just, it it was eye opening how impressive it was just to make it to this land. You just have a lot of respect that he made it to Florida, but I don't get how if you defect from Cuba, unlike some of these guys in Dominican, there's not like a draft or anything. He, he signed a seven year, $42 million deal. He's just a free agent. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't quite understand how that works. Yeah. A lot of players, a lot of, so players who get drafted you could just hate get that. The Q- yeah, the players. That's why one draft, guy. Though, there was one guy who left. Cespedes was the same thing, right? He just signed a deal. Yeah, but, well, with the A's. every international player just signs a deal. There was one guy who left uh, the United States and went to the Netherlands so that he could be an international free agent instead of going in the draft. That, that's what I'm saying, guy. If I'm Bryce Harper level guy, and I uh, he already kind of had it planned, right? Didn't he? stay back or he graduated early, whatever he did, wouldn't he have been better off just playing in uh, Cuba? Maybe not Cuba, it's not safe, but just one of those places for the year at 18 years old and then just signing a deal? Yeah, I don't know if he would have qual- – I don't know if that would have been – I don't know exactly how that works if you have to establish residency somewhere else to be – I mean, uh, if you have to have citizenship somewhere else, I don't know. But – or if it's number of years – maybe it's number of years like, out of high school. There's a guy like from a- uh, Florida who was a first-round high school pitcher – was a first round pick 
not this last year, I think the previous year maybe, didn't end up signing and signed a seven-year contract in Japan. And so he'll be, you know, 24 and will be a free agent, could sign with an American team. Is he a high-level player? I mean, he was a first-round pick, a high school pitcher. Can you imagine if, if like, rumor got out, there's this Khalil Mack in Brazil, and he's just available, and he's, like, 22 years old. Like, what would a team – and you can't, it was like baseball. It would be more difficult. Right, because, like, didn't the German league? guy have to go through the draft? Yeah, that is true. I don't – football, you can't avoid it. Because think of the market. Let's just say – But you can, because, like, Jared Hain didn't get drafted. He just got signed. Uh, I think he was technically, like, an undrafted free agent. Right, so why right. couldn't you be that if you're Brazilian yeah, let's Khalil Mack? let's just say Mack. there was a Khalil Mack in Australia, and I could just get my hands on him. Would a team give him huge money? I do think NFL Yeah, I guess teams, you can just sign, right, in the NFL. Just a free agent. Yeah, Jared Hain. Just it's one think, guy that just happened to enter the draft, I guess. The, I think something bad happened to Jared Hain. Like, he got a domestic violence. Yeah, well, I think, uh, uh, was it a... Oh, it was here, huh? I don't quite remember, but yeah. Is that Jimmy Tom Sula? I think it was Tom The Aussie muffed it! The Aussie muffed it! <laughs> in fairness to Hain... That first, I think his first ever punt return was pretty impressive. Remember? It was like, God. Then he got, I mean, he just didn't know how to play football, but he had a moment. I mean, they were selling his jersey. Remember that? Oh, I can't blame him. No. It's a, it's a very it's a very Larry Bear Giants type move, and it was smart. I mean, it was pushing product. You always you always push product when you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, somebody out there has a Jared Hain jersey. Well, you you know the guy that runs Fanatics, who owns, owns the, part Sixers? Of the Sixers. Yeah, yeah. He's boys with like Robert Kraft and Meek Mill and all those guys. He was on Simmons podcast, and he was saying when he first kind of got into the business and they started taking out, taking off when the internet, you know, because they were basically just an internet store. The NBA, you get every player. Baseball, you get every player, but in the NFL, you could only get five players. So they push to get like a lot of like if you're a Patriot fan, you might just Matt, you'd have like a Matt Slater jersey, but you know, just you know, Logan Mankins jersey. You're saying you might just have like eight jerseys. Yeah, but back then, back like 10, 15 years ago, you would only have like Brady, Gronk, Edelman, McCordy. That'd be it, and that's how it was forever in the NFL. And they kind of changed the game. So if you want like. Uh, the Niners are a bad example, <laughs> but like uh, Sebastian Janikowski. Now, I would imagine Janikowski. There was a period of time where he his jersey, even if it was only five, was getting pushed. But that's the type of example of, you know, you want a specific player that's maybe like a cult hero in that town. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just weird that that wasn't even available back in the day. So they make like lower volume of those other guys, or they can just customize it fast, or well, they can just customize it immediately because like Bill was asking him. They don't make, you know, back in the day, 20 years ago, how there would be those viral videos, maybe not even 20 years ago, but like 15, 10 years ago, how people in like Africa would have, you know, the the Detroit Tigers won the World Series in 2012 t-shirts or whatever, you know, whoever the losing team is, you know, the Patriot years when they went 17, 19 and 0, you know, shirts, right. <laughs> that those, those don't really get made anymore because you can just customize everything so fast. And back in the day, they were losing so much money because if you're making high volumes, right. it's just, and they were just, you know, it's classic old school, chalk them up to a business cost. Like, no, you don't need to do that. And he's just, he, he basically said, 
the internet and it makes sense just completely changed. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just like, it was just, it was a business cost because you wanted to have the t-shirt sold the next morning. You wanted them in the team stores immediately. He said the big, their biggest takeoff of growth is in like the major cities 10 years ago as all like, as the world, you know, the world is flat. Everything started to change. San Francisco, LA, New York, Chicago. Well, you have a large percentage of population in a lot of these cities that aren't from there. So if you're a Boston guy living in L.A., you can't walk into just a random store and get uh, a Mookie Betsters. Right. And that's where – but you do have a lot of people from Boston, New York, Chicago living in these metropolitan areas, and they get it. But he's like, then their kids, right, become a fan. They see their dad watching it, and they just want, you know, a Tom Brady jersey. And you can get that now anywhere. And, again, it's just – But see, it, I, it's just I had like a Cal Ripken jersey when I was like – not living in Baltimore, and I was. See, eight. I did too. I had a, I had a Michael Jordan jersey, but I think it's even more specific. Yeah, yeah, than that. yeah. Everyone, you know? that, that like jersey. You, you could that. always get a Khalil Mack jersey, I think. Gotcha. But it's like, could you get a Mitch Trubisky jersey? Like it's even just that subtle difference. Right. It was right? like you could get Montana Marino, right? Yeah. Aikman. Michael Jordan Ripken. You could find probably Barry Bonds anywhere, right? But that's you're talking about like the twenty. But I'm talking like. Could you live in Chicago and get an Iguodala Golden State jersey if you're a Warriors fan? Probably yeah. not. I saw yesterday uh, somebody wearing the old Magic pinstriped Shaquille jersey. I had the Penny pinstripe jersey. I think that's the great. I think that's the single greatest. The old Magic pin. Not that I would want my team wearing it, but in terms of like what can you walk out of the house in? It's like whoa to me. Like the old Penny pinstripe Magic. Jersey, that blue, where the A is a star. I don't know. What would be number one? When's the last time you put on a jersey? And would you buy a jersey right now? No. (laughs) Unless, unless like, no. Because I wouldn't wear it. Yeah, I wouldn't wear it either. The last time I put on a jersey. I can't even remember. I don't think I ever have. Yeah, I don't know. Since, like, high school. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. And there were multiple people at high school that would just have like the t-shirt on and then just a jersey over right, it, right? Right, right. But, but and even back then, and this is the early 2000s, it would be a random, you know, it could be in the early 2000s, right? It could be like Detroit Pistons, Grand Hill, or Shaq for the Lakers. You know, that's that's what it would be. I remember. But always, I remember Tom, always a scrawny Tom, white guy has a t-shirt on under. Thomas Linz let me wear, let me borrow his pinstripe Jordan Jersey. Of course, I wore a t-shirt under. Bulls. I might have worn a hoodie under. Yeah. There were some dream team. I remember dream team jerseys you see around. Yeah, a that's bit, like okay. Magic those Johnson. are up there with the penny. That's a good one. Larry Bird, Mike. I have a pair of Charles dream team shorts. Those are sweet. I own Barkley shoes. Because people really? always act like NBA players are so famous. Yeah, guy, they've always been the most famous. Like they're NBA. You just because there's always a group of ten of them that yeah. are just and you can see the their faces. marquee guys. But they, they are like, they've always been now, probably since Magic and Bird, every decade, are like actors, right? They're just like a group of seven to ten of them that just stand out. You could argue there might even be more now. Probably maybe 20, like yeah. in the NBA right now, that are just super famous. Uh, John, but. this podcast is brought to you by Ease. And EaseWellness.com. That's E A Z E. Dot com and easewellness.com. As always, you get 20 bucks off your first delivery when you use the promo code HAM. And all deliveries. First purchase, $20 off your first purchase. 
And, John, you know what's coming up, right? Not just Outside Lands, but Grasslands presented by Ease. Guy, they, they are they're going – we know we have some listeners that are attending Outside Lands. The, you guys are our people. And when you're in there, go check out Grasslands because it's going to be inside the venue. Uh, and just go have some fun. Tell, tell them Ham sent you. And, you know, you could put a little uh, – maybe EaseWellness.com that's pushing CBD – Go to easewellness.com, use the promo code HAM. If you've already used it, tell one of your friends to use it and then get something for yourself and uh, take it with you to Outside Lands. little CBD, drops, night stuff, uh, puts you to sleep. You got a little uh, cream if you got the uh, Todd Gurley arthritis. Got a little something for everyone, guy. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, we were just talking about the five-year anniversary. This is a big deal, man. Uh, You can stock up on special festival deals August 7th through the 9th at ease.com. But, uh... I mean, geez, like Outside Lands, this is one of the preeminent music festivals in America. How many years straight is it for you going? Five straight years going to Outside Lands? Yeah, all three days. Uh, I wear the yeah. same. I actually wear my Penny Hardaway jersey, but I wear it without an undershirt. Um, That's, I mean, we're talking right around the corner. Is that next weekend? Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm purging my house of all deodorant and I want to make sure I smell. Where where is uh, Where is Outside Lands? Like, what is the venue? Uh, you know? Golden Gate Park. I haven't been to Golden Gate Park in a long time. Do you, you guys ever just go for a stroll down there? Haven't been there since. Uh, uh, haven't been there in a year, probably since I went um, paddle. Like from your house, paddle. if you take off on a walk, how long's the walk? Forty-five minutes. Uh, probably a little more. Yeah, it's it's actually far. It it feels closer when you close your eyes, but then you realize as a walk, it'd be a pretty good trek. Yeah. So, but. Walk with that, it'd be the move. I think you know, outside lands Wait, pretty you, crowded. You went paddle boarding in the ocean, no, 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 no. At, at Grand Gate Park, there's a lake, and you can do the not the thing where you like um bicycle the little boat that cycles. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I really yeah. wanted to do that two years ago for my uh, birthday. <laughs> there used to be a boat, or I mean, a, a lake, a man made lake in North Davis that had those boats. Oh, really? I remember going on when I was a kid. I forget the lake's name. I mean, I don't even know if the lake has a name. It was more of a community. There's kind of a, there's just a little lake and you could boat around. Remember going for some like little league, uh, remember like when you're on a little league team and after, you know, Saturday, like maybe when the season ends, you have like a pizza team party. party. Yeah. Yeah. Those are sweet. Like everyone know, we, get the coat, like the parents all get a, the coach a gift. Yeah. The, the mountain mics is like, Hey, you got to get Mr. Johnson something. He's done a good job with all you guys. Looking back, like how much effort did he really give? Uh, I, I had some coaches. That I tried mean, yeah, you, you know, nights, yeah. Uh, yeah. afternoons, I guess. Our Weekends. buddy AJ uh, was on this team when we were in Little League. He had Mike Brown and Chris Williams. They're Little League coach. Like a lot, most of the Little League coaches were players' dads, right? As I'm sure most Little Leagues. Yeah. His coach was like a senior at UC Davis, which was out for blood. He had scouted all the players. He kind of like cornered the market on super speed, and he had the number one pick, so he got Mike Brown, and then he ended up with like guys like AJ. His team, they were so goddamn good guy. I mean, they dominated, and most dads, you know, are taking it pretty seriously. This guy treated it like Billy Bean. I'm telling you, they were unreal. They really should not be a draft in little, right? They should like be an effort to like. Well, you know how organize the leagues in a Davis Little League. Snake there draft? were two weeks where they would cut like the players wherever you lived in town, and you would just go out there and take batting practice in front of all the coaches, 
and then takes him infield or outfield. So you kind of exposed. Yeah. So you could tell like the Mike Browns just hitting 350 foot bombs or AJ flying around the base pass making sweet one handed catches. Looking back, I mean, I if we had some of that in Walnut Creek, I might get involved on a little league team. Just be the GM. I wouldn't even want to coach. Right. Him. You'd want to be the guy who just. Oh, he's won seven straight championships. Doesn't talk to any of the kids. Treats them like assets. <laughs> yeah. Pisses a lot of the parents off. He doesn't return yeah. anybody's calls. A- anytime we get like a light lefty righty split, kids out of the lineup, even if he's my best player. Yeah, that, the manager is just referring to a, a probability chart you gave him. Yeah, I, I just I just give him the sheet. I don't even show up to games. I'm like Billy. I'm just at home or at the gym right. or something. Listening to the radio broadcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, ease.com. ease and uh, like, I, like I said, big deals coming up uh, ahead of ahead of the uh, big music festival. So there you go. Outside lands, a little grass lands inside, baby. All right. Uh, if something happens with Mad Bum here before the whether he gets traded or not, I guess we can uh, we can mention that. But um, you were out at Niners practice the other day on Monday. I know this because boy, major FOMO from your boy. The photo of you, Lund, and uh, number one Niner fan Greg Papa behind all the Lombardi trophies was uh that was special I give you a lot of credit that was good how did Greg feel being so close to all those trophies uh that's he he made a comment he's like uh there's two more than the other there's two more than the Raiders that's the first thing he thought of. he said Raiders <laughs> or other team I can't quite remember I think he said Raiders yeah, yeah I'm sure he did but he uh he I mean, it's it's on the tip of his tongue I mean he I, I had thought about the picture a day before when I texted with Lund and found out they were going. And uh, we're going to get Greg on a, a live podcast sometime next month, I guess. Yeah, we're not in August yet. So I had been texting back and forth with him a little bit, and he had told me it was going to go down. So my brain just started working how I could troll a little bit. And then I once Lund was there, I knew I could play on words a little bit and just rile up some people. But it's also funny, but it's also real. Like, he's the voice of the 49ers. He's out there. He's taking it all in because he's a football nut job. But it's also, you know, it's like I was driving away. They had Kyle Shanahan on. And Kyle, I mean, he's not a happy-go-lucky guy, right? He's pretty matter-of-fact. But it's just like their conversation, like Jimmy G. I mean, him and Jimmy, he was call, Jimmy was calling Greg, Greg. Like, clearly they had told him, and Jimmy's like, yeah, we're going to start talking a lot. Like, Jimmy kind of knows the deal. But Kyle, it was a little awkward because Greg's like, yeah, I just met your dad the other day for the first time. There is zero chance that Kyle doesn't have some idea of just everything that happened, right? It was just a tad bit awkward. But you think he knows Greg's invo- what Greg has said about it? Is that what you mean? Well, I just you don't you imagine that Kyle Shanahan knows that this guy is now here. There's a, at least there's a chance. Maybe he doesn't, but because he got fired from the Raiders because of something that happened with his dad, I'd be shocked if he didn't know. Wouldn't you? Yeah, but I'm not saying that he cares. Yeah, enough, but I maybe because just based on what he said, I guess it's. Well, I could just see that. You know I don't assume said. that he knows that, but maybe he does. But I would also think that when he was hired, that guy's just going to talk to Kyle a little bit. That maybe Bob and just people inside the 49ers, Bob Lang, the PR guy, you know, they just 
you bring it up. Yeah. Again, I, I don't. Kyle's like, whatever, fine. I don't give a shit. What was Kyle's but response? He is, but he is super tight with his dad, and that's the weird part. Is Greg was kind of taking shots at Mike Shanahan, but only related to the Raiders. You know, it's like he, it's just a, it's a, it's a weird connection. You know, this is but about it is what healing. It is. This is about healing. Yeah, it, it is about. Healing. Did you uh, you get your did you get your eyeballs on Nick Bosa? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I, I was more, I was more amazed by our guy who we were, we always knew was going to be a stud, Eric Armstead. Oh yeah. I did. I did uh, not love that pick. No, I didn't like the pick either. And I, I even hated the fifth year option even more. But the one thing that is a, I mean, it's eye opening guy out there. And I, it didn't even hit me until the day before I went to practice. I was just doing a little reading. You realize, keeping up with the NFL, man, and you know just doing football games, there are so many goddamn players. I mean, just college football, NFL, it's it's really hard to keep up with the league. Just every little storyline at every position, just with these two teams in our backyard, let alone the entire league. Like, just I've tried to stay pretty focused on the two divisions. It's just difficult, you know. <laughs> just a lot of shit going on. But Barrows had a good Q&A with Robert Sala. Like, he sat down with them. Yeah. Quote-unquote exclusive. And the one guy he brought up, he's like, last year, because of some injuries and Solomon was struggling or whatever, we just put Eric Armstead inside, and we were blown away. And you watch him at practice? Because the problem is, and here's a theory of mine, I can put you at defensive end. If you're not a super high, like if you're not JJ wired like J.J. Watt or Cleo Mack, where you're just playing your balls off, you can loaf a little bit because it's not super physical where you can just kind of run into the guy and kind of play patty cake. And that was kind of Eric Armstead's problem. But when you're inside, like what Buckner hangs his hat on being super high motor guy and playing hard. Well, when you're that tall, you can't really fuck around inside and loaf. You'll get destroyed just because you get double teamed. So you kind of got to play hard. And I think you just put this guy inside and kind of force him to play hard and that's where his God-given gifts that Trent Baalke drafted him so high for that guy. I mean, he was destroying. Now, the 49ers don't have probably the greatest interior offensive line, but he was just he was killing people just because he's huge. I mean, he if you just swap, swap numbers and you and me were standing there, if we couldn't see their faces, if they were you know 30 feet away, we wouldn't know the difference of the two guys. Because they look identical just standing there. Yeah, right? they are. When you see them at practice, and they're significantly bigger than everybody else, when you get your eyes on them just like up close, ground level, it's it's pretty incredible. But I also think like it's not just the Niners. If you if you brought like Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack into the unit and they just stood right next to him and you didn't know who anyone was, they dramatically stand out. I mean, they are enormous players. It's like having probably Shaq on your basketball mm-hmm. team, right? They just... Now, one guy had lived up to it, and the other guy, let's just call it what it is. If you had to use one word to describe Eric Armstead's forty, you know, career so far, underachievement. Uh, underachievement. Again, I didn't. I think it's been more solid than I thought it was going to be. Like, I didn't think we'd be at this point looking at him like, oh, this this actually could really work out for them in the end. So. Well, I'm with you. I, I thought there's, there's zero chance that he would ever be this good. I, I thought two years ago there'd be zero chance he'd still be on the team. Right. But, guy, I don't think he's just still on the team. I think he's going to play a prominent role. And 
what if they just kind of like him and he fits and they, their defensive line's awesome? Could they resign him? Yeah. Now, the thing is, a guy like that. Maybe he gets paid. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to have a number. Like, I, I already see it. If this guy has, you know, a seven, eight sack season and he's just a force, former first round pick that turned around his life and, you know, not his life, but his career, he's a guy that people would pay on. There's just not many players every year on the open market, right? Especially defensive linemen. And he's young still. He's just so physically gifted. Uh, yeah, you can already just see where it's headed if it goes well. Hell, even if he's just okay, people, there's going to be interest on him. Their defensive line group guy is. He's pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, that's Just, the, the argument to make is like, let's say Solomon Thomas is solid. Bosa is Bosa. I just mean in terms of what his money is going to potentially be. You've got DeForest. You go, we just can't afford to spend. We got. We just need more depth at other spots. We just can't afford to give Eric Armstead, the, I don't know, you want to say star money, but big time money. I could, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it'd be one of, you're but not, they would but, get, you but you know what, like that's where Robert Sala and I know he mentioned, I'm not sure how to say the new defensive line coach's name. It starts with a K. Um, it's like K-O-U. I don't know if you know how to say his name. I just, I've been reading it. I haven't heard it. Um, say that again? K-O-C-U-R-E-K, the new D-line coach of the Niners. Oh, like Kushn, yeah. But that's where, like, they, that's where these guys, that's where you get a lot of credit, right? For Like, if Solomon Thomas, put it this way, like, if Solomon Thomas has a good year and Eric Armstead becomes a legit free agent, all of a sudden... And let's say DeForest has, you know, DeForest has become DeForest. Not a top 100 player. We'll talk about that. And let's say Bosa is a hit. Then you take a step back and go, okay, now now all of a sudden you really trust these guys. When it, let's just talk about D-linemen. You really trust them when it comes to D-linemen. Well, think about this. They, when they hired this guy before even free agency happened, they knew with the number two overall pick they were probably going to take a sweet defensive lineman. But they already had three first-round picks on their D-line. And two of them look like Greek gods and then Solomon Thomas. So anytime you invest a lot of money, probably in any business, right, you, for the most part, some you just, if you have, if you're like Walmart or something, you can cut the cost and just, whatever, move on. But the majority of businesses are going to do whatever they can once they've invested a lot to make, to at least exhaust every avenue to make it work. And it was kind of lucky this guy was available he is Jim Washburn, the wide nine. This is his protege. Like, this is literally his guy. He went with him to Detroit. He is the younger version. Jim was crazier. Like, Jim, you could hear from a mile away. This guy's somewhat similar. He's really loud. Uh, but this shit works. I mean, it, it really does. And it has some flaws, but it creates just the, the warp speed of these defensive linemen. Because there's no, like, the Chip Kelly, they love, like, two-gap. You got a two-gap. Fucking, I hate two-gapping. You're basically just off the snap, standing up. I want to get up field and chase the quarterback. There's a reason that guy makes $30 million. If we get gassed a little bit in the run game, that's on my safeties and linebackers to make some tackles. I want my defensive lineman sacking the quarterback. I think the 49ers realize that because I, the blueprint is simple, guy. The game has dramatically changed. It's, it's, it's been a quarterback league now for 20-plus years and Definitely the last 10 years as the rules have changed. Defensive linemen are always at a premium. But as you've seen today, like wide receivers now, the running back values falling off a cliff. Wide receivers are being treated. If it's if it's quarterbacks, D linemen, when you say wide receivers are kind of, I mean, they're coming. You got a lot more guys about to get paid too. Right. So Because it, it's a passing league. So if it's a passing league, what's the number one thing you got to do on defense? 
I got to rush the passer because I'd rather be able to rush the passer than cover. I, I think the next position to get screwed a little bit, guy, are corners. I don't know if I'd pay corners $15 million a year because they're going to get beat probably no matter what, and the rules makes it really hard. But if I got Eric Armstead, he can be as physical as he wants. Well, he can toss people around. Yeah, also, I, I don't. when I hear you say that, I what like I— like that Billy Bean new philosophy that I've gotten. When I hear you say that, what I think is— what I think is, I don't turn on the TV and see two wideouts, just a wide receiver to each side, and two cornerbacks, right? So, like, it used to be that one shutdown corner was, like, at taking worst, a third. Yeah, at best, taking away half the field. At worst, taking away a third of the real receiving options. Well, now, well, there's five guys out there that are going to catch the football. So, what? So my shutdown corner, there's still four of the guys i got to cover. See, that, guy, we are breaking down this philosophy. The game has dramatically changed. Think about last year. The Chiefs who were horrendous on defense. Again, in theory, they actually led the league in sacks. And what did it, did Andy go out and you know pay top dollar or trade his first-round pick for Patrick Peterson? No. No, he traded he Marcus Peters away. He got rid of Marcus Peters, and then he traded D. Ford, and what did he do? He replaced it with, in his mind, a better defensive lineman in Frank Clark. Now, I, here's the difference. I do think safeties are more valuable now than corners because your safety, he has to do two things. He's got to protect the run. Check, you know, cover the running backs and tight ends. He's got to cover multiple positions. Like, like you said, the corners, and you're just gonna get beat. Like you just whatever. I, I I'd rather have my average corner cost be about three or four million. You're right. You'd say my average. You'd rather have like four guys that are sevens than one guy that's a ten and some other guys that are fives. I'd rather have five sixes if I had five corners dressing on game day or four five sixes or four sixes. And my defensive lineman, a couple tens, and then a couple sixes. Right. And then maybe even just a four. Because I can put the four with a ten, and I still got 14. Where if the corner, if I got a ten and a two, I'm only a 12. And I think sometimes when you're watching NFL games on Sunday, the one position that can stand out where this guy might be a two out of ten, it feels like corner, where the guy is just awful, right? He just, he looks lost. If you put him off coverage, he just gives up a ton of coverage. If he's, if he's pressing... He still gives up contested balls. You're like, this guy's just a zero. And I, and I think Andy had a bunch of zeros last year, and he was an offsides away from making the tra- uh, Super Bowl. Think about that. Yeah, their, their corners couldn't have been any worse last year, and they were D Ford fucking up from being in the Super Bowl. So my, my philosophy of, I actually would value running backs a little more than corners. How about that? A good one. Uh, yeah. Because I also think you can get for cheap. Yeah, if you can catch. Like, well, you if the Le'Veon Bell equivalent, let's say, was named, uh, let's say a guy had sat out last year, Le'Veon Bell and Jalen Ramsey had both sat out. Well, when they both came back in the league, I could get my hands on Le'Veon Bell for $27 million guaranteed. If Jalen Ramsey had sat out the franchise tag and came back into the year, what's his number? $55, 60000000 Yeah. So just think about just the cost difference. But yeah, but 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 the reason, but what's the catch twenty two there is the reason you would value the running back more is not the style necessarily. It's the, it's the cost difference, and the reason the cost is different is because people are valuing them less. Like part of the reason, yeah. But my my point is, I can get that player, and he's really sweet, and he's a Pro Bowl level guy, and then I can use that extra thirty million to get like three or four more. No, I understand. I'm just saying, like the difference between the conversation about corners and D linemen. And this is that part of the reason you're valuing the running back is because they've gotten cheaper. 
Yeah, I mean, but I think we're going to see a little dip in corners. Because I don't know if I was a team, and even if I drafted the guy, one, I don't think I'd draft a guy high anymore. Two, I, I don't know if I'm breaking the bank. Because they used to get, like them and wide receivers would both get, you know, like Jalen Ramsey thinks he's going to get Odell Beckham like $70 million guaranteed. I, I'm not, there's, I, I would be more inclined to give Zeke $45 million guaranteed than give Jalen Ramsey 70 I guess is my point. Now, I, I get there's context to it. But I, I don't think I could pay a top flight corner what he quote unquote is worth. You follow me there? Mm-hmm. Just because, like, yeah, I gotta I gotta pay a lot for Mac and Donald. But what they do is so important. What Jalen Ramsey does is being proven around the league. Someone sent me because I kind of went on this rant on three and out. Sent me like a screenshot of the like three of the lowest seven pass defenses last year were the Chiefs. Were the Saints, were the Rams, like just in terms of coverage and yards per attempt, like even the Patriots were, I think, 22nd in the league. Back in the day, you know, a good coverage unit was important because you could really fuck with wide receivers physically. I just don't think you're allowed to do that. Well, I'd be fascinated to, if Seattle in their prime, 2013 or 12, was put right now, I think they would struggle because they would get so angry. Because they'd get called for pass interferences, for defensive holding. Camp Chancellor would get tossed out of games. It, it, it would be hard for them to play. Now, they were also talented. They'd figure it out a little bit. But part of figuring it out would not be able to do what they did really well. You just have to pull back, right? Camp yeah, Chancellor I mean, would not be allowed to just decapitate. Right. Even Richard. I mean, he, he was allowed to mug people down the field. He's not as much anymore. But he's skilled. I mean, he's still really good. And that team could still chase the quarterback. Yeah, they they were the ultimate combo of every unit was good. So was the Denver defense, you know, three or four Mm -hmm. years ago. Now, again, if I could, I I would, like the Bears, they're good. They have good corners. They have really good linebackers, and they have a dominant front. Like, I'm not anti-good defense. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just, like, at the end of the day, Richard, even if he couldn't grab and hold you, was still very tall, very long for... A receiver. I mean, for a, a DB. And he's a former wide receiver, so he's got these unreal just ball skills of shooting his hands right. up. But I think the, like last year, the Bears played the Eagles, and the difference in the game was, now, I mean, one of the questions is Mitch, but the Eagles' corners were viewed as the one of the worst in the league. I mean, they were terrible. Because Sidney Jones didn't quite come back from the knee. Ronald Darby was just, ugh. They had McLeod had gotten hurt at their safety. Their defensive backs were awful, and they won a playoff game against a team that, on paper, you'd say, "Well, Bears are going to win this game. It's at home. Their team's better." And they lost. So, just breaking down uh, trends here, guy. I, I like try to it. be ahead of the curve. Write a write the you're gonna write the forge of Doug Farrar's next book at this pace. <laughs> I agree. Uh, let's talk about the top 100. Specifically, DeForest Buckner not on that list. Uh, I actually, I think only the they're still the top ten, but no Raiders made the list. So maybe DeForest did, did the top ten come out yet? I don't think so. Uh, no, but they listed the names. Oh, okay, I think a, Ra- I, I, a Raider didn't make the list. You say I, I'm scrolling through eleven through one hundred. I don't see who would it be. Well, is Antonio Brown's got to be in the top ten, right? <laughs> yeah, that's who it would be. You're right. So I don't have the top ten. That's why I don't see his name. 
I, yeah, I think they release a top 10. You're like Rodgers, Brown, Julio, whatever, Donald, Mack. They just haven't given the list. I okay, think done I've like not seen that well. list, but I shouldn't need to see that list to know that Antonio Brown would be on the list. Kind of forgot about him as a Raider. Uh, no, I didn't. Um, okay, not on the top 100 to Forrest Buckner. But, but in fairness, like he did not make the list as a Raider. We don't know if he's going to, you know, we'll see. I just, I, I just like snapped the list up real quick and was just looking for the name Raiders, and that's why I, I didn't actually activate my brain on that one. Uh, George, I think Kittle was 29. George Kittle was in the top 30. It's right. Uh, just behind two spots behind Jalen Ramsey. Uh, so what's a bigger deal to you from a Niners perspective is George Kittle. Is it crazier that he's 29 or that DeForest is not on the list? Probably DeForest not on the list because he's definitely a top 100 player. I also think the way they should do this list is just, there should be a quarterback list and then a player list. Because how do you how do you value? Yeah, I mean there are, yeah. there are quarterbacks behind Jalen Ramsey that like ninety five. I take guys Jalen Ramsey ahead. away and Dak Prescott away. Ninety five guys are not going ahead of Carson Wentz. Zero chance. But I also think Carson Wentz kind of got a token. He wasn't good last year. He's been injured twice. People don't really know what to do with him. But it's pretty nuts to go kind of from nobody to 29th in the league. One thing I, when I was driving home the other day from practice, the uh, Pop and Lund had on Jordan Matthews, and they were just asking him, like, where does he rank? What do you think of George Kittle? Because he was talking about how he's good friends with Zach Ertz, you know, because Chip drafted Jordan Matthews in Philly. And he's like, you know, people kind of call Zach a little bit of a pretty boy because he's more of a receiver than a blocker, but he's really competitive. He's like, my first day that I got signed here, it was just intro meetings. He's like, we weren't on the field. We didn't even lift. He's like, at like 7 o'clock, I got a call. I looked down at Zach, and his first question was like, how'd, how'd Kittle look? You know, I, I think a lot of people in the league, because last year, the one thing you'd say, if you were just an opposing team, remember, we were doing a radio show, and Doug Baldwin randomly tweeted, just on CrossFilm, like, Jesus, Derek's, Derek looks good. Yeah. And that was the year I think he won the MVP, or I mean, was in the MVP consideration. You just see players on cross tape. So I think a lot of players just see this guy. Even if you're not playing him, you're like, holy fuck. Because he's running like a deer, blocking like a like an offensive lineman. You, it's easy to gain steam in the NFL, unlike the other two sports where everyone plays each other. So when you see him, like in basketball, everyone's played each other, so you know who's good and bad. In football, you may go three or four years out playing another opponent, right? But it to me, it would be hard to go a year without at minimum seeing one guy on cross tape just kind of flash across your eyes. It's it's just, there's too many connections in football. And you watch too much tape. How does, by the way, how does Russell Wilson go from 11th last year to 25th this year? That's insane. The team made the playoffs last year. They made the playoffs. Like, wow. That's crazy. What? And how, Zeke is 18th. How was he 54th last year? Because he got missed six games. So what? I I, I I don't trust player scouts. I don't trust this grading process. Player scouts. Don't you don't believe, trust player scouts. But not even the, the players. I actually think most players have a decent idea. NFL players more than NBA players because I think NBA players, beside the top like five or six guys, rely a little on hype and what you've been. Where in NFL, like Von Miller will be like, I'm telling you, Trent Brown's a fucking monster. He was saying that three years ago, right? Then he goes to the Patriots trade for him. They move him to left tackle, and then he gets a lot of money. I, once a player goes up against someone in the NFL, and part of it's because it's such a physical sport, right. like I'm telling you, 
this guy's unblockable or I can't run. With I can't this get guy. around this guy. Yeah, I remember Deshaun Jackson. We were trying to run go routes on Revis in his prime. And he's like, I can't get away from this motherfucker. He just runs stride for stride with me. <laughs> and you just, it's just word travels around the, the NFL to me. So, like, I, I think Kittle just earned respect fast. Now, it, it happened overnight. I think it's a little crazy that Buckner hasn't earned some respect because he is kind of good. Now, part of that is just. I don't know. I, that, that one doesn't make much sense. But I'd give you another guy on the Raiders, like Rodney Hudson, has been consistently one of the best two or three centers in the league the last five or six years. Like, how is he not on the list? Is it something you could argue that guard centers and defensive tackles beside Aaron Donald don't quite yeah, equal it, up? Yeah, it definitely could Fletcher be that. Did. did you see Fletcher? He's pretty high. Yeah. Uh, Jason Kelsey... I mean, but these are like the guys that even someone who doesn't know interior line play would put on the list. Zach Martin. Fletcher Cox. Mike Daniels spoke for Fletcher Cox. And he's like, the way I describe Fletcher, it's weird because he's another defensive tackle. But he's like, you know how a father grabs his young infant kid and he puts his arms between his, you know, his uh, underarms and he picks them up kind of like Simba. (laughs) And he's like, I would imagine that most offensive linemen that go up against Fletcher feel like he's their father after he plays them because he just picks them up and moves them. And I think DeForest has kind of been the poor... And again, when I say poor man, I mean it more as a compliment than I do as a negative. He's not quite as good as Fletcher, but he's kind of in that mold of just super disruptive, super powerful. Fletcher's just a better player. DeForest kind of hangs his hat on, on energy. Maybe sometimes when you just hang your hat on motor, people don't respect you as much. But, he's, but he is skilled. I don't know. That, that one's a weird one. Like, do you think, like, if I said this this time next year, if he has a good year, how how high could DeForest Buckner be on this list, judging, like you said, Fletcher Cox was, did you say the number? I thought it was pretty high. I, I, he, I think he was high. I don't he know. He was 28th. So, um, you know, obviously Aaron Donald would be kill? top 10. But... It's probably be tough then for Buckner to get to the top 30, right? Uh, yeah, I think that's – because what are the chances that he leads the team in sacks? Probably not that high. More likely one of the edge guys. And then, like, is D Ford on the list? You know, to me, could could Eric Armstead sniff the list D if he Ford has 10 60, sacks this year? Yeah, D Ford 67 was not on the list the year before. Philip Lindsay, yeah, so by I, the way, 68, one spot ahead of uh, Matt Ryan. Someone's, someone's I love Philip Lindsay, but come on. Someone tweeted, Philip Lindsay is not only the first undrafted free agent to make a Pro Bowl, he's the only undrafted free agent to ever make the top 100 list. I'm like, uh, yeah, I I'm not putting that much. The Pro Bowl one is really impressive. I'm putting zero stock into the, into the top 100 list. Yeah, I'm with you. Like Matt Ryan threw 35 touchdowns last year. Philip Lindsay, again, really good player. I mean, really good player, but... 68th best player in the league, zero chance. I, I, I'm pretty confident, guy. If you did a draft from scratch, every player in the NFL, would Philip Lindsay go in the top 200 players? <laughs> no chance, right? None. None. How about- Feels like Philip Lindsay wouldn't even be a top 10 running back, which might be fair, might not be. But I just think about it the top of your head, I can name. Well, would, I he, go, would he go ahead of Mark Ingram? Uh, yeah, but I think like Zeke, Saquon, Le'Veon, Camara, Alvin, uh, 
Did you say Melvin? Mc- Melvin Gordon, McCaffrey. Oh, McCaffrey. David yeah, Johnson. Le'Veon? I said Le'Veon. Oh, okay, uh, what's the dude from Minnesota? Dalvin? He got drafted from Florida Dalvin State. Cook? Dalvin Cook. The Bears. T- would you? T- I'd take Tariq Cohen. I don't know. I just read he's not going to be the – he's getting beat out. Well, he's just they're just spreading the, the touches. We'll see. I mean, Philip Lindsay guy did not play week six, 17, has a bad thumb. Now he's full go right now. But we'll see. Can he stay durable? Yeah, I mean, the guy the guy ran for Great like 200 story. yards in high school on like a blown out knee. I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm not trying to diminish his accomplishments. <laughs> I know, I know. And accolades of being the first undrafted free agent. Let me say it yeah, again. Yeah, say it again. To ever make the top 100 list. Is there a, is, are there like physical uh, like medals that players get for the top 100? They did. Now, Philip Lindsay, and this I think speaks to the Broncos, just kind of boring. I was watching, I had NFL Network on in the background the other day, and James Palmer, they did this thing right before training camp where he picks up Philip Lindsay, takes him to this nice restaurant, and Terrell Davis is sitting there, and like, because him and Terrell Davis have hit it off. Yeah. He wears 30. He asked Terrell Davis if he could wear 30. Yeah. John Elway was like, he's your type guy, TD. So they like gave it to him. I mean, it was kind of a big deal in town. Uh-huh. That was kind of it. And then they just ate. And yeah, that, that was my idea. I told somebody this idea the other day, and they said, oh, NFL's already doing that for the 100th anniversary. My idea, my thing Could was you- if I were ESPN, what I would do is I would take the thing that worked with Gruden's QB camp, but I would get guys, I would get like, I would get Philip Lindsay to sit down with Terrell Davis and I'd have Philip just like drool over Terrell's highlight tape, and then I'd have Terrell watch Philip's tape and give him tips. But just instead of doing one, jo- instead of replacing John Gruden, you just do that with a bunch of guys. You get a current like you star. go Khalil Mack and like Mike Singletary. You, you, just you go get a current different- star, and then you find his Russell favorite Wilson, player Warren up. Moon. If that you know, guy was Jimmy a star Garoppolo, too. Steve Young, exactly. Whoever would just be like a, it would have to be a guy Todd that he, it'd have to be a guy that he loved growing up, so he could geek out over watching that guy's film. Gotcha. Which could be a little tough because it might be hard to match it up perfectly. You might have to fake it a little bit, right? A little, but I would bet like... Like if you're Zeke, Zeke's 23, did he really watch Emmett? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It wouldn't have to be a cowboy. You just, I mean, fuck, who was his favorite oh, running guy? Oh, so you're, oh, you're saying you don't need to match team and no. team. No. Oh, gotcha. So you can just go like Zeke and LT. Yeah, exactly. Or Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady, Joe Tom Montana Brady, Joe would, Montana be, would be one. But it'd be how much do you have to pay Joe? I mean, it would just be like uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Has anyone ever asked Russell? Has, have you? Who's Russell Wilson's favorite quarterback around him? I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, it's probably some second Chuck Knobloch. Like, is Aaron Rodgers, Steve Young, Aaron Rodgers' favorite? Grew up a Niner. Yeah, I, I like where you're going, like Favre and Carr. But I think they're already do, they're doing it. So who is doing it? Well, I think what you just described—they're doing a bunch of those. Somebody told me they're doing those for the NFL. Oh, 100. for the hundred. But I do think it's more connected with the teams. I would imagine. Right? Gotcha. Like, it'll be a Packer and a Packer. Like, I bet it would be, you know, like Devontae Adams and Freeman, you know, Antonio Freeman or something like cool. that, which is cool. It just doesn't have to be the guy's hero. They can just watch the film and be like, damn, Antonio, I didn't know he made that play. And then Antonio watches his stuff. Exactly. To me, you could even do, like, I think this would be cool, like Matt Nagy and Ditka in the same room or, you know, something like that. Like Kyle Shanahan and I guess you couldn't do Bill Walsh. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could do all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And again, I would imagine these execs are thinking about it. Kyle and Mike. Like, that would be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. 
I think so. Well, I think it would be pretty cool to get all the, that tree in the same room. All the head coaches. Right. Starting with Gruden, or starting with Shanahan to Gruden. Or maybe it just starts with Gruden, because he originally hired Kyle, because I think Mike was out of the league. And then Kyle to McVay to LaFleur to just the whole crew of dudes. Because they did something on NFL Network the other day. Silver sat down with McVay. Mike McDaniels, who's Shanahan's right-hand guy that has like this curly hair. If you see him at a practice, he's the wide receiver coach for 49ers. Okay. He'd be like, oh, that, that dude would be sweet to go kick it in Vegas with for the weekend. And then Matt LaFleur, who's probably the best looking of the group. But just those three guys who have the market cornered on 5'11 and under white guys with probably under 7% body fat that just look like they can drink White Claws and just BS watching the game with each other, ordering some food. And it was funny just seeing the three of them. But they're all, I mean, two of them are head coaches. And McDaniels, I would imagine, one day if this goes well in San Francisco, will be a head coach as well. They all look the same guy. I mean, Kyle by far How about is Zach, the tallest is that, of the group. Zach Robinson fit the bill too? The new Isn't he the, like the former Oklahoma State quarterback that's the quarterback coach in uh, L.A. with the Rams? Same deal, right? Is he a white guy? Yeah. Zach? Zach yeah. Robinson? Z-A-C. Z-A-C, Zach Ro- I think it's Robinson. Yeah, right? I think he, he's in that crew. They're all they just have a crew, and and Silver was sitting down with them. The crew was when Kyle was the OC in Washington for his dad. They hired all these gotcha, guys, gotcha, but like okay. Rudin so had already hired McVeigh, so he was already kind of there. But he started working under Kyle. But they're, they're just the, they're just like Kyle's crew, <laughs> and they're kind of McVeigh's crew too. But McVeigh keeps saying like they hired me, you know, because he he looks at Shanahan like it was a really big deal. Remember when Shanahan just. They hired him from from Gruden's staff, I think, if I remember correctly. can't remember. He was on Tampa staff for a year, then maybe he went to Washington with Shanahan. Shanahan gave him his first shot. Oh, because Tampa got fired. So, remember, McVay was kind of fucked, and he went to this, like, random league. He's like, I didn't even know if I was going to get in the NFL. There was, like, uh, I think he got a job in the UFL, maybe. Oh, did he really? Remember the one Tyler Klutz played in, the Sacramento yeah. Knights or whatever? The, the Mountain Lions. Yeah, the Mountain Lions. He was in that league, or he thought he had to go to that league, and then Mike Shanahan called him. And that's like kind of, obviously then his career in Washington was just a shooting star. I think him and Kyle, I don't know Kyle, but I, it's weird because you don't ever see Kyle, are we sure that him and McVeigh are close buddies? I'm not. Like I know McVeigh's tight with like Kyle's people. Right, the tree. And maybe it's just when you're the OC, you're closer to like, if you're the tight end coach, you might just hit it off more with the running back and tight end coach, right? Because you're doing a little more grunt work than the OC, who's a little more like the head coach of your unit. I wonder if, I wonder if, I wonder if Sean McVay is tighter with a lot of Kyle's like right-hand guys than he actually is with Kyle. But I don't know. It it doesn't feel like they're BFFs, right? I do wonder too, like, Kyle and McVeigh are both so like if you're Kyle, I would be a little concerned about just like being really good friends with Sean McVeigh. I'm trying to I'm trying to win. I'm trying to become. A, I'm trying to be a head coach in the NFL. Yeah, but I do think when I mean one of the biggest rivalries in sports in theory is Raiders Chiefs. Yeah. And those two guys are really tight. Well, I know, but they're yeah. so much more established. But but they but how did they become tight when they were working with each other as one was a coordinator and one was a tight end coach? 
That's just you just develop a unique bond when you're not the head coach. No, it's true. Yeah, it's true. I'm just thinking. Like I do wonder if. And you're young, trying to prove yourself. I, I agree, and especially for Kyle, you've sucked. You're not like can't just be blowing McVeigh. You're trying to beat him. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a little weird spot. It's it's easier for Gruden and Andy with probably a combined 150 million in the bank to say whatever. Like, they does want. Kyle really let any? I don't really know who any of his. Like outside of the guys that you do an interview with, but like I don't. Like he's not. Is he shouting anybody out in his press conferences that coach for another team? Yeah, no, not really. Might just not be a style to let us know. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I just I feel like I know McVeigh better, right? And I'm I, I follow Kyle closer. Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah, I agree with that. And and again, it's just what I do respect about both guys, and that gets back to my guy. What he has on his play sheet, BU. Like, Kyle is not super warm and cuddly. You've heard stories forever. Like, that's just not Kyle's personality. Where I think McVeigh, if you had grown up around McVeigh, you'd probably still be good buddies with him. If you were friends with him in height, like, he just, his personality is his personality. Just like Andy. Andy's very just true to himself. Just like Gruden. I mean, there's just, just person, you just have your personality, you know? And I think that's the knock on the Belichick guys. It's like, bro, stop faking it. Just be who you are. And I do, I'll give a lot of the young guys. I think Nagy does a really good job. Like, Nagy's not an asshole. So you know what he doesn't pretend to be? An asshole. You know what McVeigh's not? He's not a big asshole. He doesn't pretend. Kyle can be a little bit. You know what? It comes natural to him. But it's not, but I I wouldn't say, right, but I wouldn't say it's like a fundamental characteristic of his, of who he is as a coach. I mean, I'm sure he just is who he is, right? But like some guys who are assholes, that is part of like how they, like that's one of the main things they got going for them when they coach their team. Like Parcells or something? Right. You know, say, but, but I'm not comparing Kyle to that level. I'm just saying, I think it's easier for Kyle naturally to be like, Bowman, we're benching you. Uh, Ruben's going to be our starter. Yeah. Where I think for a Nagy or a McVeigh, they probably have to think about it a little longer how they're going to attack. Gotcha. I just think yeah. it comes more natural to him. You're right. I mean, you don't hear, like, the players don't be like, Kyle's a raging ass. I don't think he's like an asshole. I just mean his personality. Is if you just watch McVeigh and you watch Matt Nagy and you watch Kyle Shanahan, their personalities are they're, they're just different. Like Nagy and McVeigh to me have more similarities. Just they're a little more normal, maybe. And McVeigh, I mean, how's McVeigh? I I wouldn't even consider McVeigh normal. I mean, he gets up at four a.m. He listens like book on tapes. Again, these guys are normal for their profession because even Matt Nagy lives. Yeah, the, just the like, people skills of <laughs> yeah. In this, in the world where you're stereotyped is closer on the Harbaugh spectrum than on just like the Tony Romo spectrum, right? I'll give you another like guy. Tony's an I outlier is, for football guys, we think. Yeah, I'll give you another guy I think is a little bit of an outlier is Doug. I think Doug's a little more normal than a lot of the old school coaches. Like he can just have a normal conversation and just talk about whatever. You know, hey, you see Tiger Woods won the match. Like he can just, hey, what'd you eat for dinner? I don't know. It's just you, do, do you, you have. A, right, now here's a theory I just developed. Do you think that's a characteristic of guys who You've were, talked to a lot of coaches, and they're just weird. Do you think that's what you just described to me? I feel like a lot of the guys who spent time as backup quarterbacks in the NFL, who maybe were more predominantly known as backup quarterbacks, just are more comfortable with everything themselves. The, it's why I've always supported guy. I think if Guy Haberman, John Middlecoff, and Jason Garrett went to dinner, we would leave that dinner being like, that guy's a fucking man. Where I think if we went to dinner with Nick Saban, about five minutes in, it would be very, very uncomfortable. All right. All right. I mean, very uncomfortable. All right. 
I'm gonna have the steak, all right, and I'll have the wine, all right. But I, I just think the intensity of it, I, I think it would be uncomfortable. Yeah, you gotta. You're using the wrong fork, all right. Yeah, the outside just, in, all right. I think you'd be on edge. <laughs> I know. Belichick Ranch dressing, huh? Famous. All right. And I, and I, High I fat, Kyle, all right. Not performance you, you dressing, all right. Would probably be normal. I think. I think, and I'd probably put Urban. You've been around. I, I, I'll give you a guy that I think can balance it a little bit. It would be Chris Peterson. Like he can be awkward, but he also I have, you you've had interaction with him. You told me you just did at the press conference. I have too, where he lets his guard down. And he's just as normal and cool. You're like this guy is, fuck. I love this guy. Well, one thing with him is like sometimes I'll watch his local media stuff. His lo- like like on a Tuesday he'll talk to like you know like local media around, and it's very loose. Like he'll go back and forth with people, kind of give people shit. You know, it's yes, he is when he that is totally in his control. But when he feels comfortable with you, like I don't think Saban and it's human nature, right? Saban doesn't feel comfortable. Well, did you see people. him the other day on now it was with Marcus Spears on ESPN? Yeah, I would say when you put him in those situations with his former players, he lets his guard down and he bullshits. Because I think some of the best stuff with Nick is like when the SEC network used to just Marcus Spears would go down with Nick for the morning and they'd hop in the Mercedes because he can jab Nick back. Right. Right. And that's part of the key. Like you, me, the average reporter, even if you loosely know him that way, you ain't jabbing Nick. Right. You wouldn't have the balls to. No one does. But his former players, just because they've seen him in a different light, can. Where I think some of the offensive coaches, just the Petersons, the Naggies, the, even probably Kyle, can just, it's a, it's a little looser. It's part of it, just offense, defense, you're just a looser human. Like Sean, Sean McDermott, who when I went to the Combine a couple years ago, I mean, I know, spent a year around him, a, long, a lot of hours, a lot of days, helped him, you know, just did random shit for him whenever he needed it. He's a little tighter, you know, and he's a younger, you know, he's probably 40, maybe early 40s, but he's, who, oh, Dennis Allen used to be like, you guys all think I'm a stick in the mud? Sean's got a little of that, but he also can be, again, if you get the right topic, I remember one time he looked at me when he knew I was from Fresno State early on, he's like, what's in the water at Boise? Like, what are they, he was just fascinated, like, what are they doing there? You know, they, and I think a lot of coaches were. Yeah. Turns out it was just like, yeah, Chris Peterson is pretty elite. Yeah, and they hit on a lot but, of but pro- it's not. They hit on some guys they didn't know they were going to hit on. But it's also, it's just they had a lineage and they kind of had something because Dan Hawkins, you know, the the Big 12 brother, who's now coaching at UC Davis, they are made the playoffs for the first time last year in program history and since they've moved up from Division One A in the last 15 years. They are preseason ranked like fifth. You know what it turns out, Dan Hawkins? Like, I don't know if he's Colorado. He's a pretty good football coach. Yeah. Like, he's he's probably, like Jeff Tedford, the equivalent of Fresno State, they're too good for the program. People did at. tell me, though, I will say, when they replaced Ron Gould with him, that someone told me, like, they got, they've got they got like they've got players. Like, get ready. And obviously, Dan, maybe they did. Maybe You're they saying that Ron Gould recruited players. That's what Someone just told me, like, that year, like, this team's going to be good. Like, they got dudes. Well, when I was scouting at when I was going through Cal and I was there the year that, uh, I forget his Zach, Zach Maynard. Maynard. Yeah. Keenan Allen's cousin who Nick Saban yeah, wouldn't it take. The, it was the, it, it was the worst year Tedford had had and he got fired. So everyone was weird, but they always said that gold was like, you needed to go recruit Marshawn, Deshaun, Keenan. Like he was their recruiter. 
because the, the one thing I heard about this team coming back, they're like, yeah, they lost Keelan Doss, right. who's on the Raiders, but they, they returned 19 of 22 starters, and they got some NFL Their QB is supposed to be pretty good. So, you know, recruiting. And that's what's always tough about, I think, college and the NFL. Like, you get to meet these assistants. You know, I've known assistants – your personality does have to change a little, right, when you become the head coach. But I do think you have to stay, at the end of the day, kind of true to just who you are. Like David Shaw, you know what David Shaw is? He can be intense if you're at the practice field or whatever, but he's a good guy. And he, most people, he just acts like he acts. But I bet there are times where he has to get on someone's ass or get on a coach or just keep the standard high. You're the leader. But I think whenever you fake it, and football is probably no different than people listening at normal jobs. That You see a guy go from like a sales rep to the manager of all the salesmen. And he's a dick. I was at dinner with our buddy Hawkins the other day. And he was giving me an example like in his office setting. It's just, it's human nature when you get a bigger You're seat. You're saying of a, want, a wannabe that, leader? Yeah, who Hopefully actually just. Listen to this podcast. Who didn't quite. Yeah, I was thinking That's that. That's Gary Hawkins. Uh, <laughs> yeah. James, uh, like his nickname's Hawkins. He works actually in tech Bill Williamson. in Seattle. He's not, not even here. <laughs> but the point was that I think when you just give up most humans, whether it's sales job or football, that big seat, they just don't quite know what to do. And I think a lot of times they lean on shit that's just wrong. And it pisses everyone off. Yeah. Because most people lean to kind of go dick than be super nice guy, right? Right. Because that's generally what there's been. But now you have different things you can be. That's why it was probably so easy for Saban. Like, I've always been an asshole. <laughs> be myself. <Yeah. laughs> Parcells, like, fuck yeah. I've been thinking what? I was yeah, coach, so I was like 12. <laughs> why do you act like this? I, I don't know. Why do you <laughs> act like that? <laughs> I think if you met most people that like knew Parcells when he was 28, they're like, yeah, I knew he was going to be fine. Biggest asshole I've ever come across. Uh, all right, John um, Gruden, who was really—I see you clip you—you were—you uh, put out some of the clips. I watched his interview on NFL Network the other day. Highly entertaining. I know some of you guys are gonna go win, win, loss, loss, loss. Did, and by the way, did you notice he's like six and nine? I'm like, wait a second, six and nine. <laughs> Let me do the math. He threw out random numbers. How are we gonna be six and nine? Uh, but. I think that's what he said, right? Didn't he say six and nine? Maybe leaving week seventeen off. Well, guy, he said six and nine, and then he said another like uh, nine and twelve. I mean, his numbers did not equal any level of any football, any schedule. Which don't let's not ripping. get into the details, right? Yeah, <laughs> let's not that get, get in the way of a good narrative. Um, are you tired of the Nathan Peterman talk yet? What I, I woke up. I didn't wake up, but I went, when I woke up, I, w- I would never turn this show on. But at the gym this morning, I walked, we had a TV in the locker room. It's usually on like NFL Network or Golf Channel or ESPN. And ESPN was on and First Take was on. And the headline, and I it, it's on mute a lot of the time, but you can just see people screaming at each other, obviously. It was Stephen A, who had like labrum surgery. Did you see Stephen A? He's got like a... I mean, his whole arm's in a sling. (laughs) And I don't even know the other two guys, but I just see them screaming at each other. And the headline, like the bottom bottom main headline thing, just says, Gruden props up Nathan Peterman. Like, guys, this is not a story. Because whenever I see anyone talk about backup quarterbacks, 
I started thinking the other day. If Brady went down and you told me Brian Hoyer was the starting quarterback for six, let's say he went down next week, a season, I think the Patriots could make the playoffs with Brian Hoyer. That's an outlier, though. Now, they, they wouldn't be 13 and 3, but I think they'd go 9 and 7, 10 and 6. He's done it before. Brian Hoyer's done it before. I think they could figure it out. Now, their margin for error would be small. I think Andy could probably win a couple games with Chad Henney. There's a few outliers. But I know this. If Derek Carr gets injured and misses a substantial amount of time, the team is fucked. I don't care what Gruden says about the backup quarterback. He could You could insert Guy Haberman instead of Nathan. It does not matter. We've seen it before, Guy. Remember last year, the dude from, uh, former guy from Florida State that played in Buffalo, I can't even remember his name, had to fill in for Derek and they lost. You know what I'm talking about? DeAndre Francois? No. EJ Manuel. <laughs> EJ Manuel. And that was just for a game. And I actually didn't think EJ Manuel like played that bad in the game. Like, I see some flashes or whatever. But you just, the, the difference of you being able to win a game, we've seen it with the Niners. You're done. So whether they keep, I saw Derek Instagram the other day, just like a panoramic Instagram. It must have been a, where they're eating lunch or wherever at the Marriott. I'm like, God, I didn't recognize that. Oh, that's Mike Glennon. You know, they got Mike Glennon. They got None of it matters. Whoever wins the job, I don't care. Like, yeah, I think Nick Mullins is slightly better than C.J. Beathard. But I do. if you tell me one of the two gets cut after training camp and Kyle keeps the other, I don't care. Now, I would not cut Nick Mullins. I would cut, if I was only going to keep two, C.J. would be gonzo. There might be a little more to that. It's like, Kyle's he holding on to his draft pick a little bit here? But that's... A whole nother story. But my point is, if Jimmy goes down, they're screwed. If Derek goes down, they're screwed. If Russell Wilson goes down, they're screwed. If Jared Goff goes down, they're screwed. Just start going around. If if, if Kyler Murray goes down, I don't even know if he's good. Do you know what I know for a fact? Brett Hundley, you can't win NFL games with that guy. Now, maybe it's just the offense. He was no, had no, no, to be no, no. That one Kingsbury would, offense. I, I would put that in that category. Yeah. Well, I was just starting thinking, maybe Mark McCarthy, Meathead, you know. He's he's a running quarterback, but yeah, I'm with you. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I um, the the reason I I'm with you on I got no interest in talking about backup quarterbacks by and large. But the reason this one is kind of interesting is just because of the thing. Some of the things Gruden said. Gruden. One of the things I went back and read the quotes. One of the things that Gruden said about Peterman was if you got him with the right coach that really could challenge him and teach him, he could become he could really do something. Uh, now a lot of people are, you know, attaching in his draft class that some really good quarterbacks in it. That he said he was the most pro ready. I read the quotes. I don't. Maybe I missed that exact quote. He said he thought he was really pro ready. I don't know if he was necessarily comparing him, but I guess he probably was. But that was the one thing that stood out to me. He's like, you get him with the right coach, and you get somebody who could really challenge him and help him expand his his palate. Uh, he could be really good. So, like, to me, it's not, does Nathan Peterman turn into a pro bowler? But it's like, is he, can you coach him into being a solid backup? Can you take a guy that you didn't think you'd have on your roster, Nick Mullins, and make him a backup or not? Because history tells us Derek isn't going to start 16 games. So, I know you're saying, well, can you win? Can you win a bunch? Can you make the playoffs if he has to play the whole year? But that's not really, like, the scenario for backups is not, can you win 10 games? It's, can you win a game? If you have to yeah, start when the three guy, games, when the guy has a bad ankle sprain and can't go, I, I'm with you there. But my thing would be, let's say they keep Peterman over Glennon, and Derek sprains his ankle really bad, and it's he's just not going to be able to play that week. Peterman plays, and he's horrendous. Right? It's just it's one of those 
Was he the first player ever to throw five picks in one in the in, in a, a half? half? In a first half, right? it was it was bad. Let's say he does something like that. Has like a three pick first half. Raiders just get blasted like thirty one nothing, and you know they never move the ball past the fifty. My counter would be, well, so should he have kept Mike Glennon? We've seen Mike Glennon; he's fucking terrible too. It was gonna be awful. Like you, you could argue that he's picking between two really shitty players. Like for example, the Niners two backups. Gruden are better than both these two guys. Like, this is just the two guys Gruden has. And in fairness, like, it's just what he got. What was he supposed to do? Look at the, if Matt Ryan's backup is Matt Schaub. He was shot guy five years ago. And somehow he's the backup in Atlanta. Like, if Matt Schaub has to play, you're done. So, yeah, if Peterman might suck, and let's say it was a Thursday night game or something, so everyone was watching, and Derek was out, and it was, they'd get destroyed. But my counter would be, I, would it have looked that much different with Mike Glennon? No, I don't think. I, I don't. So, yeah, Gruden's talking him up. He might like him. Because what do you usually like about the backup quarterback? Besides just whatever he's doing. He the knows practice. the offense. You end up, you, you just talk to that guy a lot. Because you and there are kind of, he's sitting kind of close to you and you're coaxing up Derek. He, and he's throwing in some little blurbs like, Derek, you, you want to push that guy to seven yards. Yeah. And Derek's like, yeah. And they're all kind of throwing ideas off each other. Don't forget, you That's can always right. go backside. Backup quarterbacks or coaches. Don't forget, you can always go backside. That's the one that I, I like. Yeah, but uh, think about in the NFL right now. Right, NFL backup quarterback. Doug, backup quarterback. Jason Garrett, backup quarterback. Uh, Matt Nagy, college quarterback, but he was a you know AFL guy. It's just you get a lot of those fringe guys that were never going to be starters in the NFL. Jay Gruden, AFL star. You know, just coach or Sean McVay, slot receiver, Miami of Ohio. Wait, was Jay a, a Star quarterback and then a star coach in the AFL? Was he both? I think he was both, yeah. I think he was a bigger deal. I think he was a good – like AFL, he might have won an MVP or whatever, but he definitely won championships as a coach, remember? Yeah, yeah. Because it was like when John was kind of big and the AFL used to be on ESPN, it used to be Gruden's brother coached the AFL, and it was a big deal. Remember the AFL used to have some uh, real estate on television? Mm-hmm. You remember that? I do. But again, so did hockey back when we were growing up. We used to own ESPN for a large portion of the year. I watched a lot of hockey growing up. Oh, it's Avs Blues? That's why all the references oh, got... are Joe Sackick. <laughs> yeah. Patrick Walvers, Brett Hall, I can't wait. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> no more... Why are you still talking about when Wayne Gretzky was on the Blues? That's all I remember. Uh, okay, some other NFL stories, John. Some other NFL stories. Uh, let's start with I, one that, that I liked, that you liked, was Michael Thomas, John, the highest paid receiver ever, unless you count, you know, actual dollars he's promised. <laughs> Are you with me? Like, and I get why Schefter, and I get why they all say it, because the team wants them to prop it up too. Like the, the team doesn't want Michael Thomas to think he got fucked. I mean, we, we sat down with Parag. They are very, very insecure. Uh, they never, unlike the other sports, I feel they don't want to act like they're fucking yeah, the players. They're very sensitive, I would say, to it. Very sensitive to it, and rightfully so. So the team's like, yeah, say he's the highest paid guy ever. Do you know what I heard today? That his number is actually not even 19. Like It's basically like a base of 17 and a half, 18. It's with incentives it gets to 100. But they countered. Be like, well, Odell's actually not 19. It's really 16, whatever, with incentives. Which, again, to me, all that stuff's fluff. All I know is that Odell's number was higher than Michael Thomas's number. 
Like, and it's $4 million is a pretty substantial amount of money for especially a year later when all we ever hear is, you know what the next round of contracts? It's going to be more. Well, it's not the way it works here. So, like, one way it was, I've seen it written a few different ways. Like, here's one from the USA Today. The contract's worth $100 million and includes $61 million in new guaranteed money, the most in NFL history for a player who's not a quarterback. What's Odell? He got new guaranteed money, $65 million. Because Michael Thomas guy had so no guarantee. what they're going he, on. So there's... He was a fourth-round pick. Yeah, I just I don't now, know what they're going off of. Here's where it maybe gets a little confusing. Like, at the $65 million guaranteed to Odell, he was going into his fifth-year option. Do they factor in that fifth-year option, which is fully guaranteed, and that's part of the 65? Like, I'd argue, well, that's where the, Michael Thomas... That, that's what I... Assume if you're saying new guaranteed money. Has any non-quarterback signed for $61 million guaranteed that they, no portion of those dollars that they were getting before? Which becomes a little complicated with these first round picks that get broken off, right? Because they're like Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald last year. I would imagine then their numbers that 87 and 90 factored in the fifth year money. You, you know what I thought so, when I so saw it? Do you think that, it, do you think that Khalil Mack, I'd have to text someone to find this out, but it kind of makes sense. Probably that 14 million or whatever he was going to get is, is part of the extension for that total of $90 million, right? It's not 90 then plus another 14. So it's 104 in true guarantees. Like that's cause that's a true guarantee for Khalil. We're going to add, you know, whatever, 90 minus 14, so $76 million, technically in new money. But that's not really the way it's written, you know? Like, because Odell's had that money coming to him. That's part of just being good and getting drafted higher. He got $65 million total guaranteed. Michael Thomas got 61. So that's like, the only thing I see. I, like, I'm looking at Khalil's $60 million guaranteed at signing, okay? This was yeah. going into the 2018 season, right? Yeah, his fifth-year season, so his fifth-year option and season. his fifth-year money was already money he was guaranteed, correct? At about yeah, $14 million. million. So his $60 million guaranteed at signing was his signing bonus, plus his 2018 salary, plus his 2019 salary, plus his 2019 roster bonus, plus his 2020 roster bonus. So in that case, his fifth-year option was included. So you could argue $60 million guaranteed at signing, but really it's it's uh, uh, forty six. Yeah. Right, are we doing that? But he'd say, well, I was getting that money no matter what. Because remember, that was the big argument with Cousins, where the Redskins were like, we'll give you $50 million. And he's like, well, you're paying me 25 this year, so you're really just giving me 25 in new money. That's what gets very complicated about the NFL contracts, unlike the other two sports, is because teams love to like act like the contracts are sweeter. And they're good at this, because you never see teams like the, the, the Saints in a million years would never let out like, we kind of took him to the woodshed. Because <laughs> a year later, guy, if I'm Michael Thomas, the only thing I care about in true guarantees, I think the average per year is a little fluffy because you're getting all this money at guarantee you're, you're at front. So your number over the years, like Odell in 2020, next year, makes like $14 million because he got that substantial amount of money two years ago. And they're just like, well, we prorate it, but you already got the cash. I want more money than Odell Beckham, or at minimum, more. Or, I mean, the same. 
Because people are like, oh, Julio's got to be licking his lips. Well, fuck yeah, he is. Because Michael Thomas doesn't even factor into his thinking. You're not Odell's level. So I'm much better and more accomplished than Odell at 65. To me, is Julio signing for less than 75? He's like, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm one of the best players the last 20 years. Odell, he kind of signed a little more on hype than he actually did on substance. But I, if I was the Falcons, I wouldn't sign Julio because he's still got two years left. If I was an agent, I would just come out and be like, oh. I mean, if I was a GM, if I was a GM, I'd come out and talk about the agent. Like, oh, God, took me to the woodshed again. Man, these guys are tough. They are tough cookies. It's like what I what I thought when I saw that $100 million deal was how everybody in the NFL is pumping it up. And I was like, God, $100 million. Like after seeing NBA money, and I, not to sound, I'm not doing NFL complainer, but I was like, God, what if you did give him 100 So what? Like think about Jeff Samarja got 100 you know? Why? So I, the At NFL 90. network was like they were showing rapid fire tweets just from different people. And it, it was like seven NBA players. LeBron, you know, Ohio State guy, like, at can't guard Mike. Congrats. Of course, he said that. He loves when people get paid. I mean, we all do. It's like, okay, LeBron, you get the bad guy. We get it. But the other one was James Harden, who I don't I don't really know the connection. Maybe they're just buddies. But was like, hell yeah, at can't guard Mike. Don't let up now. And I started thinking, James Harden, who, you know, probably equivalent. They, they say, you know, can't guard Mike, probably top maybe the fourth or fifth best wide receiver, one of the better players in the league. Got $100 million. James, you, every extension you sign is for like minimum over $220 million. You've made like $500 million. You're still buying all that. Yeah, and, and your money's all guaranteed. I can't guard Mike. Really just got what you get, get in a year and a half. Think about that. Like that's truly if he dies tomorrow. That's the way I look at it. If it all ends tomorrow, what does he get? That's why I think the average per year, who cares? Because someone's like, Biddlecoff, you don't think he's going to see all this money? Well, look at Julio Jones, who signed the equivalent of what a can't guard Mike or Odell signs for now. He's already bitching and moaning, guy, and he's got two years left. And remember, last year he bitched and moaned because his number became so dramatically small so fast. So why wouldn't can't guard Mike? I just like calling him that. It's a great, it's a great handle. handle. <laughs> that if he maintains this for, let's say, three of the five years— won't he be pissed off in five, in three years? Because well, it's the, natural, the receivers right? maybe getting twenty six, twenty seven million dollars. Yeah, when your income goes down. When, when I'll give you one who's going to get mad relatively soon is Devontae Adams, who's on one of the most team friendly. He's on the Steph Curry four for forty four. When's he going to get pissed off? Did you hear uh, uh, Colt the 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 WGC whatever that tournament was Sunday? Yeah, Colt Nost is it Nost Nost? I didn't. I just kept seeing his name, or I didn't know what he is or what he's doing. I think he's. I thought he was on the tour currently. He's not old. I, yeah. Okay. Because he's friends with like he's friends with the Spieth, Justin Thomas crew. Did he play with Jordan in Texas? Maybe Colt Nost. I mean, he has to be from Texas. And he was saying he went out to yeah. dinner because it was Jordan's birthday today, like Saturday, and they went. Maybe it was. Earlier in the week, actually, but that they no, I think it was Saturday. SM, and they went out S- to dinner. SMU, okay, and they go out to dinner, and he made a comment on the broadcast about he's like, you know, Justin Thomas is there, Spieth is there. He's like, there's like three guys there that were each individually over twenty million dollars in earnings, and not one of them picked up the bill. It's like this is bullshit. What they do? Split it? Well, I don't know. Maybe somebody, maybe Justin. Paid. But the point was like, there was a bunch of rich guys there, and somebody else paid. 
Maybe that. What? Restaurant covered it. An agent. I don't know. Well, I'm looking at Colton Ost. He's got two career wins on the Corn Ferry Tour. Okay, so maybe he maybe he's not doesn't have his PGA card or what? Yeah, so it was probably a big deal for him playing in the tournament. Was he a top? No, 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 no. He was one of the tournament? analysts. Oh, like he was on the broadcast, but he is on the PGA. That's oh. why I was confused. Yeah, I mean, not really because he's he's never played the Masters. He's never made a U.S. Open or British Open cut. I mean, he, he hasn't been on the tour, even playing in tour events now for several years. Well, it's I what I'm looking at is he was. Top 50 at the RBC Canadian Open and 59 at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Recently? Yeah, FedEx Cup ranked 230 for 2019. Maybe he just yeah, wasn't so maybe, that event. I don't know. All right, anyway, you're, my, uh, your turn to go to a headline. Pick something else. Really quick, uh, while we're talking golf, Tyler Raber, assistant coach for UC Davis, just played in the Barracuda. He, was, he spent the night with me the other night because he was like going to Monterey the next day to go recruiting. And he was telling me a story. We went to dinner, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, he's the same age as Kepka, him and my brother." He's like, "I played Kepka. We go to this tournament every year in Hawaii, and no one knew who Kepka was, but he was in my group in college or you know, we, as a yeah in, in college. So it was like Florida State. It was just a bunch of random teams are over there. It's like you know one of the preseason tournaments. And it's like I at the time, you know, ten years ago, we're all eighteen, nineteen, twenty, whatever. I'd never heard of them." And I play with him. I, he's like, I shoot fucking 73 or 74, not great. He blasts a 65 with ease. And I look at my, he, I guess his dad Larry went with him. And I looked at my dad. I was like, I don't know who that is, but I think he's one of the best players I've ever played with. And it just shows you that, you know, he's like, it was clear he was really good. He's like, now he's scrawnier back then. He wasn't a lifter. But you could just tell. He's hitting the ball way farther than all of us. And he's playing at Florida State, who at the time was really good. Like, he didn't totally come out of nowhere. Because, like, I vividly remember looking at my dad and going, that guy's going to be on the PGA Was Brooks on the range before the event, or did he just walk onto the first tee? Uh, I didn't remember. I guess at this tournament, though, they, you take carts. So, like, they pair, you just get in the cart. He's like, I wasn't in Brooks' cart, but just funny to hear some stories about Kepka. That is. Okay, my story would be... This, this one hits home for, for me and you. The Cardinals camp, who, I'll be honest, there's a little too much hype coming out of Cardinals camp. Like, they are just little overcompensating. Like, a Steve Kime being extra inviting to the media and Cliff. They, they're using it well. Because you would just say, reading the headlines for the Cardinals, you'd be like, are they a sneaky playoff team? No, they're probably going to win four games. Same thing happened with Tom Sula. Everyone just loves it here. How, how happy everyone is. The team's looking good. Kaepernick, Alden. And then we'll see. But Keyshawn Johnson, the yeah. Fresno State receiver, who was drafted in the sixth round, he wasn't a very fast player. Four, I guess six, he's just 40. lighting up training camp. Yeah, I guess he's my start for him. So that's – now they're dependent on – I mean, they got old man Larry, but they got Christian Kirk. Uh, they drafted Akeem Butler, the dude from Iowa State. Did, didn't they – They drafted the little dude from Massachusetts. John Ursula or whatever? Don yeah, Ursula, Isabel, John Ursula, Isabel, yeah, one of that guy, Isn't that and guy? Keyshawn Johnson, and who? It was, I think it's Isabella. Oh, Andy, sorry, or the guy with the Andy U is the Isabella. guy in the Seahawks. Somebody tweeted at me about him the other day. Yeah, so we got Keyshawn Johnson, Isabella, Andy, right? Akeem Andy. Butler and Christian Kirk. Okay, just say that out loud. And and a rookie coach and a rookie quarterback. That's gonna work. And I love Larry, Hall of Famer, but he's thirty-seven years old. 
yeah, same high school as uh, as uh, Devontae Adams, Keyshawn, Palo Alto. He's a pal- wow. I, I, I'm a big Keyshawn Johnson guy. He broke Devontae's Fresno State receiving yards record. And I think sometimes, and I tweeted this earlier today, now he ran 4-6. It's a little hard to be a 4-6 guy. But I think there's a crop of players in the NFL that fell in the draft because they did not run 4-4-8. And Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Juju Smith-Schuster, Keenan Allen, potentially this kid. I'm not putting this guy in that category. I mean, we'll see. But just, well, well a lot of guys tumble in the draft and tumble. I mean, the, that, the first group of guys went the second round. But if you watch Devontae Adams in high school, or I mean, excuse me, college, I remember a couple guys texted me. Being like, I think Devontae, and these were just scouts around the league that were just like cross-checking. They didn't even do the West. But as you get closer to the draft, you watch, and I'm like, God, is Devontae Adams the best receiver in this draft? But of course, he goes to the combine, he runs 4-4-8, or excuse me, 4-5-8, just like Juju, who I consumed a lot of in college, because at the time, USC was better than they are now. And he was just so dominant. I was like, how is Juju go pick 60? Are you guys watching football? Like, this guy should be a fringe first-round pick. To me, if Nikhil Harry makes it, I think that's a good example. He's much more like all these type players. Like why he's going to work is why these guys work. But he went at the end of the first round. All these guys fell in the second round, guy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Devontae, 4-5-6. DeAndre Hopkins, 4-5-7. Yeah, another slow guy. But he, I think he went at the end of the first round. Um, I remember Michael Thomas, I think, was 4-5-5. Who's that, Michael? Yeah, and Juju can't cover was me, four, Mike. Five, what was it? Four, five, six. What was it? Can't cover me, Mike. What? Can't go. Can't guard can't Mike. Can't cover Mike. Uh, how about the uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be the starter in Miami story? Well, that that's exactly what wow. I'm talking about, guy of BU. Are you telling me that Brian Flores, who's a little bit of a younger guy, like it's very old school Belichick? He just wouldn't hand anything to anyone, right? It's just, that's the Parcells way. You, it's Fangio. It's very, it's an old school. If you got your start in football in the 70s, that's just how you'd think, you know? There are going to be some fundamental things with your career guy that won't ever change. Just relative to when you're 55 years old and you get going up against some young guns in the business, 20, they're just going to think about it a little bit differently than you. And I'm not even saying it's necessarily wrong because let's just say that Josh Rosen's dramatically worse. How could you just place him the starter? Your team would look at you like, what are we doing? I am leaving that chance to be potentially happening in Miami. But it can't be that big of a gap, right? I don't know. I mean, if he's not, if Josh Rosen turns out isn't a good quarterback, then it is a big gap because Fitz can look really, really good. Yeah. So, I, so I, mean, the, like, I, I am leaving the chance that there's a huge gap in practice. It's obvious you can't throw it out there or you just discredit yourself as a coach. But I do think a lot of those Belichick guys, wouldn't you agree, are going to lean that way? Like, you got to prove your shit. We don't hand anything away. That's not the, that's not the formula. Right. Because the one I would say Belichick does this better than anyone, but it's a little unique because he's literally drafting and paying the players. The, the best players are going to play. Where most operations, if you're a first-round pick, like his first-round pick, there is a chance if you just sucked and he realized it, he would not play you. Where I'd say any other organization, the first-round pick, even if it's clear he kind of sucks, is going to play, right? I'm even talking like Steelers, Packers, that guy's playing. 
a, I mean, a role. Now, he might not be a full-time starter. Yeah, that's, where that, that's where the quarterback position is different, though, right? It is different, but I also think you can sell it to the guy. Like, this guy was a first-round pick. How could he be dramatically worse than Fitzpatrick guy? I don't get it. I, and here's the other thing, guy. I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt. They just fired their offensive line coach, July 29th. Well, and the other issue How, that? is uh, that, that's that a red happen? flag. But and the other thing is Jim Caldwell. He's is he not back with the team yet? He's, remember he oh, left. Oh yeah. He, well, I don't think I don't think he's coming back this oh, year. Okay. Or maybe as like a consultant or whatever. But you know, cancer or whatever he has, it's, he's away. Yeah. That's not ideal. Okay. What else? I think the Dolphins are going to suck. Yeah, I do too. Run uh, limb. Though. I mean, this is I. This is a big story, not necessarily in the short term. But I think big picture, when you just say this out loud, now with so many players, it feels like Aaron Rodgers probably gets to 40. Drew Brees is 40. Tom Brady's 40. Is Andrew Luck going to be in the NFL in his late 30s, let alone 40? He's injured, guy. Calf. Day to day. But he's just, he's injured. And I love Luck. I know you love Luck. Most people are going to like Luck, besides Twitter trolls. He's an excellent player. And part of it's not all of his fault. Ryan Grigson almost got him killed. But it does feel like he just gets injured a lot, right? Yeah, it does. I mean, it just, it might be little nicks and bruises here. I mean, this isn't catastrophic. And he kind of laughed about it yesterday, saying, because I think Frank Reich said that if we had a game on Sunday, he could play. But then I follow some of the Colts beat writers. They said Andrew gets very, very, like the problem is not the Colts hiding injuries with luck. It's luck. Because luck doesn't, and I could tell when they were interviewing, he's uncomfortable acting like his injury's a bigger deal. It's really comes from a good place. He doesn't want to act like his injury's more important than another player's injury. Because that was his thing. He's like, yeah, I played through worse. He's like, but then he always prefaces it or, you know, by, ends it with, yeah, but so is everyone. You know, like, I'm no different than it. I think that makes him uncomfortable, which is, again, why I think I like him. And most people like him so much. He's like the ultimate teammate. But I, He's 30 years old. Does he have five more years in him? Well, this surprised me. So outside of 2015, which I'm not saying 2015 didn't exist. It existed. He was hurt. He missed the entire season, right? 2015. No, 2017 he missed the entire season. Okay. 2015 he played seven games. Now you can't do. So he's had he, so he's had two compare two seasons combined where he played seven total. Games. Yeah, he's had two seasons where he's missed either the entire season or more than half the season. So that's wow. significant. The other years combined, the, the it's five other years outside of that, he's he missed one game. Now again, that's like saying take away five big plays and we would have won. So I'm not saying that, but why well, I think he might say, well, yeah, those two seasons why I was so fucked up, my shoulder was I was getting killed, right? It was a shoulder was messed up the one year, then he played through it the next year, and then he's had reconstructive surgery on it. Yeah. Maybe also because he fell on a snowboard. We never quite got to the body bottom of that. <laughs> and again, he treats it to me more than the organization. He's a, got a little Belichick to him. And it's not necessarily for competitive reasons. I think he gets uncomfortable t- just talking about himself in general. I saw one the other day. I want your opinion if this is an appropriate. I'm thing I, I'm I, I'm concerned because I I think the Colts might be the best team in the league. Yeah, I think he's gonna be okay. I think he plays several more years. Yeah, me too. I'm just something to keep an eye on. 
Uh, all right, here's, here's one for you. So the other day, NFL Network, while I was watching NFL Network, and they were talking about Dwayne Haskins. Astros just got Zach Granke. Okay, what'd they trade? I, I don't know. Uh, Kevin Burkhart, Astros just won the World Series. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, I don't think Syndergaard, if the Yankees even got Syndergaard, that's not even. Yeah, that's impressive. I love the Astros just don't stop getting elite pitchers. Like all the all the analytics guys want openers. It's like, well, Jeff Lunau just gets fucking studs to be his pitchers. And you know what happens when every guy, this is the other thing. Here's the market inefficiency that Houston has. Every pitcher they get gets better. Garrett Cole got better. Justin Verlander got better. Is it easier to pitch there? Well, I think they, the thing with Verlander was they just felt like they had some stuff uh, that they knew when they started getting to work with him in terms of spin rates and all that stuff that they'd be able to make him better. Do the, do the Astros have a lot of money? Doesn't Greggy have an enormous contract? He does. So, yeah, oh, I, so here's the one for you. Uh, Michael Robinson says about Dwayne Haskins, he just wants to see him be mature off the... He, well, I just got to see him be... Gi- Giants got Scooter Jeanette. Huh? Giants got Scooter Jeanette. Okay. Buying and selling. Cool. To quote Greg Grisby's tweet. It's not bad. I always... Didn't Scooter hit three home runs in a game once? Like three years ago? For the Reds? Oh, no, for the... Uh, I was Brewers. reading something on Scooter. Like, he's one of the more likable guys in their clubhouse. A while back. Giants traded Sam Dyson. Okay. Had farms. Kind of sneaky wheeling and dealing. Yeah, so that's some trade deadline was a little underwhelming. Well, it's not over yet. Or is it? It's over. It just ended. Oh, we already got so Bumgarner didn't get you. Wait, that's it? I thought we had another hour. Maybe we do. Maybe my time's off. Well, I mean, if trades are happening right now twenty minutes after one. You're right, because Joe McCarthy... Well, I just think stuff doesn't leak yet. Joe McCarthy is headed from Tampa Bay to the San Francisco Giants. I don't even... Who's Joe McCarthy? Joe McCarthy Believer? is headed... Wait, say that again? Joe McCarthy yeah. has been traded from Tampa Bay to the Giants. The Senator? Red Scare? Do you That's know who Joe funny. McCarthy is? What position he plays? Tell me you're not watching Tampa Bay, guy. I thought you were a diehard. I, I'm not... Who, no, I don't know Joe McCarthy. Infielder? I don't either. Panic got DFA'd. I'm kidding, but he might. I know there's a great manager named Joe McCarthy. You sure his name's Joe McCarthy? Joe McCarthy. That's what Jeff Passan wrote. Passan. Passan. How, how did he go from nobody to being able to break all this news? Well, he was at Yahoo for a possible? long time. Was he breaking news at Yahoo? Joe McCarthy, outfielder. I sat next to uh, passing at the 2008 World Series. Would you guys talk the College World yeah, Series? Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, that we all just call that the World Series. Uh, so Joe McCarthy, minor AAA guy, been in Durham and uh, hit uh, 196. But John is his his batting average 196. His on base is 335 in AAA. I had a buddy. I can't relieve his name because I don't want to, because I'm going to go deep. Who has a buddy who is one of Billy's scouts on the road, just a road scout. And the way, obviously, baseball works a little different than football because you got to cover high schools. So, like, you split L.A. up in two. 
You know, like, if you have the West Coast, you have the West Coast. Like, they split Los Angeles with two people just because there's so many kids, so many junior colleges. You don't have the time. It's kind of crazy. But one thing that Billy, and he not alone, they don't give a flying fuck what your batting average is. It doesn't even exist in their meetings. It's like about like about power. Obviously, there are, you don't have certain stats on people in college, but about hard hit rate. Like it's about the batting average is to me irrelevant with these new school guys. Now Billy's older, but you know all of his minions. Yeah, yeah, does not come up in meetings. No. Now you can't bat 100. Right, and I they've mean, got other metrics. I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're more interested in like what your average exit velocity is. I know. I. I just. I don't know. Call me a sucker, but I always just remember opening up that paper guy and going to the box score and seeing what it got. Well, you would have missed was. on Joe McCarthy. I, I love. You know I what I do it. like? I do like that Farhan just traded for a guy who, if we were again, he didn't check the batting average either. But I just love that it's like when when Joe McCarthy is starting in right field on opening day next year, like Farhan took a guy who was hitting 195 in AAA and made him an uh, everyday outfielder. I mean, Scooter Jeanette guy's batting 212. And his OBP is 230. I mean, he's terrible. I can't believe the Giants just traded for this guy. Buddy of mine who knows the Brewers system well just said uh, uh, Dubon, the guy they got from the Brewers, the Giants, 297, 16 bombs. He gave me his average, too. But his on base is like 330. said, really good fielder. Dump, I got rid, I mean, John, dumping Melanson is impressive. Yeah, I mean, don't Far, Farhan... He's the real deal, guy. Absolutely, John. He is the real freaking deal. Uh, I don't even want to talk about the other NFL headlines I got here. Yeah, I don't really have any good ones either. I had a quick thought. Just let me finish this one. Michael Robinson said that he needs to see off-field maturity from Dwayne Haskins. Is that appropriate to say from a guy who has had, I don't think, any off-field issues? Was he getting crushed? Oh, I don't know. I just saw – I don't think anyone noticed that he said it. I just – I happened to see it, and I'm like, can you even say – What? Yeah, I mean, I... Did Dwayne do anything? What Did I miss something? That- well, to me, what that's telling is he probably knows a player or a coach that say the guy's kind of a slappy. Yeah, yeah. Bowling, I, I think the bowling that thing? happens a the lot. bowling alley thing? What happened to the bowling alley? Well, remember he charged people to come to the bowling alley for the draft party? Yeah, I mean, that was questionable. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people just in the league thought he was kind of a slappy. What was your take of the LeBron James outrage over his, uh, over his, I mean, let's call it what it is, a little over the top and a little about him. But hey, guys, we, we all follow LeBron. It's always about him. But just how, you know, crossing the line as a father. Yeah. So my take was, of course, that was overly, uh, my take was, yeah, that was making it about him. But I think he's a good dad. I mean, I don't know. You yeah. never really know. But I'm just saying, like, at the end of the day, he's at his kids' game. He's LeBron James. Yes, it's a little about him, but guess what? All his kids' teammates want it to be a lot about LeBron James. And all the parents of those kids also want it to be about LeBron James because he's LeBron James. So, yeah, I think the second you name the kid after you and you turn out to be LeBron James, you know, LeBron James is going to be in the spotlight. So I love that his kid goes by Bronny. But, yeah, it's about him. It can be about him, and also he can also not be a terrible father. You know what I'm saying? I, guy, I, I, I refuse to even have an opinion. Well, I didn't know I that was an that option. Stupid. You told me I had to have an opinion. So that well, was I know. Opinion. Yeah, I want to hear your opinion. But I I cannot get outraged over it. it it's so – anyone with common sense would be like, God, LeBron James, just calm down a little bit, buddy. But no one's thinking, you know, that's those actions probably make him a questionable father. 
You know, it's just like everyone's thinking the same thing. Like, LeBron, just relax. But, God, it's pretty cool that LeBron's kid's pretty good. My number one takeaway, 1,000%, was what the hell is going on with the defense. Because he's at the top of the three-point line dribbling. They're not playing two-on-two. They're playing five-on-five. There are five other defenders. It was almost like, you know what? I kind of want to get on this Instagram video that I'm sure someone's going to... I mean, it parted like the Red Sea. He didn't do some crazy... It wasn't like some awesome play where he gets like a back pick and goes around him. He just goes down the middle of the lane, right down by the free throw lane, right to the hoop, and has a sweet dunk. But there was no one around, yet there were five defenders on the court. I thought I, the I same thing, John. Possible. Where is the defense? But I saw a cut-up of LeBron just go acting, reacting to a bunch of different plays. Someone put a cut-up together. Here is my one thing that my pet peeve that's driving me nuts, and I get that he knows this now. But with the Taco Tuesday thing, he now knows when he does the Taco Tuesday that ESPN and Bleacher Report and, and basically every other aggregator with videos, you know, Barstool's is guilty too. Like, I, I get it. He eats tacos on Tuesday. I, I, how does ESPN need to do LeBron Taco Tuesday? Guy, it comes up on my ticker. There are so, on your, t- you're talking about like your alerts. My, yeah, do I have LeBron James alerted? How do I, don't I think get I do, rid of 90% of the Tuesday. shit that I get alerted upon? I don't want. It's like bullshit. Like, let me tell you what the most recent. Cranky to the Astros. Awesome. I want that. That one I want. Uh, here's one I don't want. Let me... Okay, actually, I wanted all these. Uh, Rorock. Here we go. Here's a headline. Tanner Rorock found out he was traded at Arby's. I don't give a shit that he was at Arby's. I don't care. Well, that's where I get back to LeBron James. I don't give a shit that he's eating tacos with his kids. Like, that's cool. He's a good dad. He's hanging out with Anthony Davis. Rich Paul's probably over. Maverick Carter. They're at their house. He's shooting Space Jam. He gets tacos delivered. Yeah. We get it. He eats tacos on Tuesday. It's cool. We all love tacos. I've never met a human that doesn't like tacos. If they don't like tacos, I probably wouldn't be friends with them. Tacos is like one of those universal foods. Like, who doesn't like pizza? Who doesn't like tacos? We all fucking do. Burgers. There's just like seven foods that every human likes. We get it. He eats tacos on Tuesday. He's now doing this because he knows, you know, it kind of goes viral. But here's the thing. I, I had to check, but because I've been stewing on this for about two weeks, I'm like, I wonder because we all follow LeBron James on on Instagram. Well, no shit, 50 million people follow LeBron James on Instagram. So ESPN, your Sports Center Twitter account, your Sports Center Instagram account, you add them all up, they don't sniff LeBron James account. We all follow you both, but anyone that follows you follows him too. We see that he's doing Taco Tuesday. That's why they're doing I it. They want. They are trying to draft on LeBron. I know it's bullshit. It's like Cole Trickle in uh, the Tom Cruise movie. Days of Thunder. Where he's Days of Thunder. He's trying to draft. Like, no, you don't get credit for that. That's LeBron's $50 million followers. Let him tweet that or Instagram it. It, One thing that's kind of driving me nuts are the main, uh, the ESPNs and bleachers, how they steal people's Insta stories. And it's mainly NBA players, and clearly they get traction off it, but they're just getting fake traction. It's, it's very radio-like. Yeah. Like, it's all fake. Right. And so when you it's, put out a clip of somebody else, like somebody's music uh, TV show, you didn't link to the uh, interview that NFL Network did with Gruden on NFL.com. No, but I don't have to. I, I'm because John why? Middlecoff. Why would I? I'm not a journalist. Oh, okay. It's just easier. <laughs> I mean, it's John Gruden. I cut the clip, too. I only use like 20 seconds of it. Of course, it's clear where it's coming from. But I, I'm not ESPN or Bleacher Report. I, see. I, I don't follow the same rules as they do. Gotcha. I'm also not, 
Like I'm Literally. getting twenty retweets. So you think I'm you think I'm him? No, I do it too. I just I just put out a video of something else that I saw. But yeah, I but mean there me, used to be things... a pretty hard and fast understanding of everybody. If it's somebody else's, you let you link it to them. Right. And then people started taking other people's traffic. That's what all I'm saying is that like sometimes all when I see a cool picture, like David Lombardi tweeted out a picture of Bosa in the Birkenstocks. I'm like, I'm gonna make fun of this on Insta Story. Yeah. So I ripped it and I just copied and pasted and put it on my Insta Did you tag story. David Lombardi in the story? Like, I did not. <laughs> Should I have? But I did retweet him, you know, and quote it with a funny line probably. But again, I'm not. I should not be held to the same standard as Bleacher Report and ESPN, because okay. they're kind of fraudulent. Okay. I, and I, you know, I hate hypocrites. It's like the, my number one pet peeve in my life. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a fraud. You could argue I'm a little hypocritical on this. Yeah, I would say uh, if it's right, then it's right. If it's wrong, then it's wrong. Well, then I then I hear the thing. I'd argue. I actually don't even care. They're, they can rip whatever they want. I'll give them that. Stop doing it. I don't want to see LeBron James eat tacos on your fucking Well, I'm having a hard time. I'm really annoyed by that. That's probably my bigger beef. You can steal all you want. I'm pro-stealing. It's the internet. Because one day we ain't going to be able to, guy. Yeah, I I, I really hate the word curate. Everything's curated. But I will say, I, I feel like in the age of curation, I still haven't been able to dial in the stuff I want enough. Where I want the sports news, I don't want the bullshit other news about who was at Arby's when they found out they got traded. I think that's where I'm losing it is that I, I get alerts. I'm getting alerts. Yeah. ESPN and bleacher report and they have analytics. I don't want my phone buzzing for that shit. Yeah. I I do not give a fuck that clay Thompson wakeboard. Like I don't give a shit about this. I'll just find, I follow these guys. I'll see it. You don't need to tell me about it. I'll get to it. Now, am I normal? Am I probably on social media more than most? Maybe. So, I don't know. I, but I'm just okay not knowing that he was at an Arby's parking lot. Because that's the kind of thing that, like, the social media, like, they love that. They love that he was in an Arby's. Oh, what was he ordering? Oh, who likes Arby's? No, leave me alone. My thing, though, is, guy, it, Bleacher Report and ESPN, for example, for Taco Tuesday, are now about six straight weeks of doing it. And I get an alert every time. When's it going to end? Because LeBron clearly Last I checked, that, John. Right? Tuesday is on the schedule for a while. I, I hate bad I news. don't see an it. I get. I think that's the thing that bothers me because the Arby's thing at the end of the day, that's a stupid story, but that's kind of a one-off story. It right? is, but I get there's nine time. versions of that bullshit that I get. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. But that, at least you're not going to get an Arby story tomorrow because of trade deadline, whatever. The talk for, in per, it's not going to end. Can I you do not set- see an ending, guy. A filter only for Tuesdays. Can you filter out LeBron's name only on Tuesdays? Don't be like a Wednesday tweet. Like, did Honestly, you miss Taco Tuesday? I should Tuesday? probably filter out LeBron because what is really going to happen to LeBron that I'm not going to find out about some other place? You get a text immediately. Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, if he gets injured, they trade someone. I, 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 the Taco Tuesday, yes, he eats fucking tacos. All of his family eats tacos. Sometimes he invites, you know, the new teammate over for tacos. We get it. Jesus. And I don't even blame him necessarily for keeping doing it because he sees what happens when he does it. It goes nuts. I get why he does it, but stop it, ESPN. Stop it. Thank you. Well Please. said. Public service announcement. God. I'm on board. That being said, I might go get some tacos right All now. Right. It's Wednesday. Taco Wednesday. Later. Peace. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.